We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Morley. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Morley. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ross Uglum. Um, As we dive into this offseason, Ross, this is, we've said it before on here, this is such a dead time um, that even when you hear the news, like Matt LaFleur tears his Achilles (laughs) <laughs> that's like the highlight of the week, which is not a highlight at all. But um, I'm excited, Ross, for what we have planned for today. Um, Ross and I are going to go through some players on this particular Packers team right now that, you know, they're not your front-end starters, and they're also not guys that we don't expect to make the team. These are guys we're going to be talking about. We fully expect to most likely make the team, hopefully don't have to contribute, But what we're going to talk about today are some guys that are middle-of-the-road type roster dudes that the Packers at one point might need to rely on this year. Um, A guy that comes to mind immediately is like your Charlie Pepra in that Super Bowl run. You know, Morgan Burnett goes down in his rookie year. He steps in, and he played, played very solid football for the Packers. So who are some guys on this particular team that we think may have to either step in or maybe even it's a guy that takes a big jump um, from last year to this year. 
And Ross, um, I'm actually going to let you go first on this since I haven't even let you talk yet. But uh, Ross, say hello to the people and give me someone that you think is a middle-of-the-line type starter, type backup, that you think could play a very pivotal role for the Packers this season. Yeah, what's up, everybody? Good to uh, good to be back and, and talking some ball. And of course, uh, thoughts and prayers out to Coach Lafleur's Achilles. Um, <laughs> I was a young kid and and actually crossed my dad up in the driveway and, and blew out his Achilles. And that is, uh, you know, that's a nine ten month injury. Uh, that that is not something that people just you know bounce back from and all of a sudden they're walking around. I don't care if your day-to-day life requires you to be an athlete or, you know, simply just walk around, coach is going to be, coach is going to have limited mobility for a while. As far as kind of a middle of roster guy, um, somebody that I'm sort of hoping for a, for a breakout and really the the study that I've done of of, uh, players uh, when they tend to kind of, kind of jump out, I guess, is is Montrevious Adams and and Mont I think is a guy to really pay attention to because he's that third year defensive lineman. That's definitely a year where guys take a little bit of leap, a little bit of a leap. You saw that even with Kenny Clark this off season or excuse me this past season. And it's not that Kenny wasn't good, but you saw him uh, add the juice. He was always even his rookie year one of the best ten twelve run defenders in football. But last year you see the, uh, you, you know, last year you see the sack totals go up and the pressure totals go up. And I think, you know, you might see four or five sacks this year from Montrevious Adams. If that gets to six, seven, all of a sudden, boom, you have like a top end rotational pass rusher, especially from the interior. And, and that, I think, is kind of what they saw in him when they took him in the top 100 in 2016. So, that's kind of my middle of the uh, middle of the roster guy because you know some folks want to keep Tyler Lancaster. I think most people think Kingsley Kiki is a lock just because of his draft position. Well, you want to keep Lancaster and you want to keep Kiki, and you're of course going to keep Daniels, Lowry, and Clark. You, you might be looking at at Montez kind of a roster fringe guy, and I I just don't think that's uh, what they're going to do, I don't think that is a wise use of of kind of their their capital there. And he's that's a good one, Ross. That's one. That's a guy I wasn't even really thinking of. Um, but he's a guy that still just has so much untapped potential. I was watching. Uh, what's the safety from Auburn? Dean Jamel Dean? Is that right? Um, gosh, it's amazing how fast that stuff leaves your brain. Um, but in any case, there was not a ton of film on him. So you had to go back a few years and, and kind of watch this guy play. And big old number one on that Auburn defense, Montrevious Adams. I mean, there's just times that when he was at Auburn, you just you see him. And there's one particular play where he's running. He's in pursuit, you know, 30 yards down the field. And it, it's just guys that big just aren't supposed to move that way. And he's a guy that I knew. I think they knew how raw he was when they took him. And I think this could be a, this this kind of is his make or break year. I think you could say, um, but he's a guy that might be one of those guys that's really worth waiting for because he has that you know just raw ability. Um, a guy that that I was kind of looking you know through this roster and thinking about you know who could who could potentially you know go go down and 
really leave a big hole on this team. And I think for anyone in the NFL, and a lot of Packers fans aren't going to like this pick, but if David Bakhtiari gets hurt, Jason Spriggs is the next man up. And he, you know, their season could absolutely fringe on and hinge on how well does Jason Spriggs play. And he's another guy, you know, tons of potential coming out, has not really lived up to that hype. You know, when you talk about, wanting a, a you know a, a legit backup left tackle in the NFL you know first of all no one has one you know that just doesn't happen and Jason Spriggs is about as good of a backup left tackle as you could really ask for in, in that swing tackle and in fact if, if you want a backup left tackle you take Andre Diller at 12 like that's how you get those guys they don't just grow on trees and that's why they go so high so a guy that you know to me is a middle-of-the-road guy, a guy that might have to be counted on this year, um, and some people might be holding their breath and going, good God, I hope not. Um, but that's Jason Spriggs. And so he's a guy for me this year that I hope I don't. we don't have to watch him play, but history would indicate that we will at some point. And what level of play is he going to bring? You know, they didn't really bring any competition in for him, Ross. Um, so Jason Spriggs would be my first choice of a guy because it's such a critical position, and he's such a guy that uh, you know so many so many different opinions on Jason Spriggs. Um, and I would love you know I, I kind of know yours, Ross, and I think we kind of agree on Jason Spriggs, but I could be wrong on that. So what are your thoughts on the backup left tackle in Green Bay? I mean, Jason, I think really last year showed the ability to be a league average tackle. Uh, certainly no better than that, but I think Packers fans have. And mostly that is because of just how, you know, excellent Chad Clifton and David Bakhtari have been. I think Packers fans have kind of lost sight of of what an NFL average offensive tackle looks like and what he plays like. And I think that has tremendous value. And if, if Spriggs can continue to develop and, and really avoid kind of getting beat inside, which is his real, real Achilles heel, um, I'm not saying that the the offense won't have to make adjustments. I'm, I'm I'm not saying that the offense, you know, would not take a drop off because David Bakhtari is the best left tackle in football. But just the ability of of Spriggs to develop into someone who's not awful uh, is is a major, I think, a major development. And if he can build off of what he was playing like towards the end of last year. And like I said, just be an, an average NFL tackle and not get Rodgers murdered constantly. That's going to be a big step forward in what the team's able to do if something were to happen to uh, to Bakhtari, certainly. And, you know, guys that have been in Green Bay have gone on to other teams and, and hung around. And I think you're exactly right when you say we have been spoiled at the left tackle position for a long time. You look at guys like Alan Barber. When, when Adam, how long did these guys stick around in the league? Guys that were just just buried by Packers fans. Yeah, Alan Barber, Breno, Giacomo, whatever Giacomoni, whatever is that kid from Louisville? Uh, Jerron Meredith, is that right? That other he played for a while. Like I mean, so yeah, and so you, the the league is just so deprived of these guys that they can throw out there. And, and, and Alan, Alan Barber actually was pretty good in Philadelphia, like. He he's actually a guy I kind of compare to Jason Spriggs because he's he's such an athlete. That, and sometimes these guys take a while to develop. So. It's like that on the defensive line too. If you look at uh, guys that 
were let go of a little bit too early, guys that people, you know, uh, people assume Thompson missed on, look at how good Lawrence Guy is. You know, yeah. pay attention to pro football focus. Lawrence is not a good player. He's an elite player for, for New England. And, and he was the guy that, you know, Green Bay gave up on a little early. Same with Mike Pennell. Uh, really played at a high level and is someone that that Green Bay gave up on a, a little too early. And I just, you know, that's where I don't want things to get to with Montrevious Adams is two years from now, you know, he's, he's one of the best 15, def- you know, 15 defensive tackles in football. And we Green Bay let him go to, to get 15 run defense snaps out of Tyler Lancaster every game. Right. And another Dave Tollefson, too. He, he's another guy in the Thompson era that was drafted late, gave up on him. He was a very productive player for the New York Giants. Um, but that's not what our topic is today. We could probably go, unfortunately, go on for a while about guys that have left Green Bay and found success um, on other teams. And, and actually, that's not just a Green Bay thing that happens. That actually happens all the time in the NFL um, for whatever reason. But uh, give me give me your next guy, Ross. Sure. So I think, you know, we, we got to look at a number of guys. And I suppose if you're just talking about a ranking, uh, you'll, you'll notice kind of a theme with me is uh, pedigree guys. But like whoever is able to or not able to capture the outside cornerback job uh, across from Jair Alexander, I think, you know, whether it's Tremont Williams, if you think Tremont is the you know, 40th best guy on the team, or Josh Jackson, if you think he's that, or even Tony Brown. But I think that this season really, as as dramatic as this may sound, could really be defined by just how good the corner that isn't Jair Alexander ends up being. Because I think there's a, a chance, if maybe not a likelihood, but a chance that, you know, Jair does – back up that talk and, and truly become an, And I think shutdown corner is kind of a misnomer. I don't think that's actually very realistic in today's day and age of football. But if he becomes an all-pro level or a Pro Bowl level corner, I don't mean voted to the Pro Bowl. I mean, you know, one of the best eight, nine guys at that position in the league. Then as happens with every team, that other corner is going to get targeted constantly. And the ability for that corner to hold up uh, it's going to be a big-time deal because there are really very few excuses uh, left for the, the pressure unit. You know, you've got front seven talent along the entire side, you know, uh, and, and it, it's deep, too. You've got a guy in Kyler Fackrell who is now your, your fourth edge, basically, uh, who had double-digit sacks a season ago. You have, you know, one of the most athletic NFL prospects of all time as your third edge. You've got interior pass rush coming out of your ears, you know, with, with a guy like Kingsley Kiki being your, you know, fifth interior defensive lineman and the talent level that I think he has. There are no excuses left up front. I'm not saying there are excuses in the back end, but there are certainly more questions. And and, and whether it's Brown, whether it's Tremont, or, you know, whether it's Jackson and whoever takes over that slot role, it's going to be on them – to not get constantly worked when teams are throwing away from Jair. And it's it reminds me, you know, the back end of their secondary right now, it reminds me of when Demarius Randall, Quentin Rollins, when they were young, 
um, and kind of the hope that we had for a lot of these young players, except I think with Jair, you have a bona fide stud in the making. And I think there's no question about that. But now what I a hundred percent agree with what you're saying, like who's going to be, you know, how's that going to shake out? And realistically, they need two of these guys to hit, you know, if they want to, if they want to be a top 10 defense, um, and I like the way that they, I like the way that they rolled out in, uh, in camp, which was, uh, you know, I think King and Jackson were kind of on the outside there. And, and of course you can throw Kevin King into that mix. And I'm, I'm probably, you know, kind of a Freudian slip there related to his, his uh, injury issues. And, and I actually think, you know, it, I, I tend to think injuries are more luck than I think the average fan does. And I would not be surprised if King stayed healthy and, and shut up a lot of people because he is, you know, he does have that talent level uh, in my opinion, but I like the King slash Jackson Jair on the outside, even though he's shorter and then using Tremont as that Charles Woodson nickel that kind of knows what the heck is going on. Uh, and, and can use kind of his smarts and his instincts and, and even his quickness, which I'm sure is still pretty darn elite, and and maybe, you know, hide some of the fact that at 36, maybe he doesn't run a 4-4 anymore. I'm not saying he runs a 4-7 now, but I just like the, you know, kind of the veteran guile at, at nickel if you're not going to truly have like a shutdown nickel player and, and, and just thank the Lord – that it doesn't at least look like the plan is to keep trying to jam Josh Jackson into that role because he just makes almost no sense there. And especially, I mean, I the more you think about, like I I like Tremont Williams in that role. I like Jair playing in the slot too. I mean, I think he's just going to be such a chess piece for this defense, inside, outside, whatever you want to do with them. Yeah, and it depends for me, like, who are you playing? Are right. you playing New England? You know, is their best option their slot guy? and or, or are you playing, you know, New Orleans loves to use Michael Thomas in the slot. He's easily their best receiver. And not that he is a slot receiver, but they like to use him there. So, uh, you know, who, who are you playing? That, that becomes a very important thing. Are you playing the Vikings and you want to shadow Thielen in the slot with, uh, with Jair Alexander? Do you want to use – you know, uh, do you, you want to use him on digs? I don't know, but I think that's a very important, you know, flexibility to have because say you are facing a team with excellent outside receivers. Okay, cool, Jair's out there, but say you are facing a stud uh, slot guy, you can use Jair Alexander in the, in the slot, and all of a sudden you've got Josh Jackson and Kevin King that can, that can make plays uh, on the outside for you as well as, of course, Tremont Williams, who, you know, can play dime, can 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 still hopefully, uh, you know, play corner with safety help or play corner on the boundary side. I think there are ways that you can sort of accentuate guys' strong points and hide their weaknesses because you're hoping that you kind of have a corner in Jair Alexander who in year two is going to exhibit very few weaknesses and very few things that you have to hide. And if there's one common theme for this defense, you know, whether or not it works is they, they want versatility. They want guys to play multiple roles. They want to not have an offense expect where pressure is coming from, not know where guys are going to line up on the back end. Um, 
it will it remains to be seen whether or not it's successful. But um, I like what they're doing so far with it, especially with these edge rushers that can play multiple spots as well. Um, and speaking of edge rushers, I'm going to go kind of off maybe someone that people wouldn't expect to be a middle-of-the-road type roster guy, but it's what he is, and that's Kyler Fackrell. And realistically, he is your fourth outside pass rusher right now, your fourth edge. And that's exactly what he should be. And we've talked about it on this very show that if Kyler Fackrell is your fourth edge rusher, then you're doing pretty good. And, you know, the goal is you bring in Zadarius and Preston Smith. you, You pay big money to these guys to come in and be your studs. And hopefully that happens. You know, free agency is not a hundred percent. It's not a, it's not a hundred percent deal. Um, but hopefully those guys hit. And then you bring in Rashawn Gary, who has been impressive so far. And I am very ready to admit that I was wrong about him. I hope to God I was. Um, but then you, you have Kyler Fackrell who, you know, he's, he's kind of a one trick pony in, in the way he plays and the way he gets after the quarterback. But if you're not asking him to do that more than 20 snaps a game, I think that's a guy that could really, could really take this defense to another level. If he plays, if he, if he is similar to what we saw last year, if he is similar to what we saw in that Seattle game, then watch out. Cause he, he looked like a legit all pro in that game. That was by far and away um, his best game of the season. I thought, um, but Kyler Vackerel is a guy that, you know, probably, you know, hopefully is a guy that doesn't have to play a ton of snaps. He can be in more of a specialized role this year. But with injuries and stuff like that, we might he might be a guy that that we see a little bit more of. Um, but so he could be a guy that really, in my opinion, if you if you want to pinpoint guys that you would say, hey, you know what, we're not really expecting much out of this guy. We think he can do this for us, but we're not expecting it. Um, Fackrell is, is that is one of those guys that you would just kind of hope, you know, whatever you get is, is a bonus, even though last year he had 10 sacks, but, um, I'm looking forward to him, uh, to potentially backing that up this year and maybe being a guy that teams actually have to account for on that defensive side of the ball. Yeah. We talked about it all, all year, uh, or all off season rather, if, if they could get to a place, whether it was through the draft or through free agency, that Kyler was edge three, you felt pretty good about it. And if they could get to a place where he was edge four, we were doing cartwheels. Well, you know, I think we're at cartwheel status. If edge three was Brian Burns, you know, they'd be cartwheels with with like a backflip at the end. But you're still talking about a guy in Rashawn Gary that literally has unlimited potential, Hall of Fame, you know, level potential just from a – you know, you, I was I tweeted something out. I think it was Demar. It was either Demarcus Ware or Von Miller. Uh, his RAS score was something that Kent Lee Platty was just putting out there, and I I made the extremely accurate uh, observation that not every elite athlete is a great player or even good, but almost every great player is an elite athlete. Uh, whether it's, you know, Randy Moss or Calvin Johnson or Julio Jones, talk about pass rushers like a uh, like a Von Miller or a, even now we're starting to see with, with Miles Garrett and, and, and guys that, you know, are those 9.9 RAS pass rushers. Those are your, your, your wild men, you know. Those are your, your game 
changing type guys. DeMarcus Ware was like that. Von Miller is like that. Uh, guys that test average are almost never, you know, your your crazy, crazy Hall of Fame level guys. And and am I putting Rashawn Gary in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely not. Uh, am I even saying Rashawn Gary is going to be good? No, because if he is, I was dead ass wrong. But what I will say is that the tools are there for him to literally be one of the greatest players of all time, as far as, you know, just a straight athleticism uh, canvas, if you will, is concerned. And so I think you have to be just as juiced up about Rashawn being third option as an edge as you are Kyler being fourth. Cause I think, you know, most years in a Ted Thompson year with like edge being that big of a, concern going into the offseason, normally the, the the Smiths don't get signed, right? And so Rashawn is edge one and Factor is edge two. I mean, I think if, if, if Thompson still ran things, that's probably what we're what we're looking at right now. And I think that is a just an extremely different situation and one that would not be as exciting as the one that the Packers are currently in. Yeah, and I think if this defense does <clears throat> what's fu- and that's you know well, that's what's fun about this defense is there's different layers to it of ways that this defense could be an elite defense. Um the Packers haven't had one of those in really my lifetime. I'd go for top 12. Yeah, that would be you know, that's probably good enough, you know. But you look at the potential that they have at all three levels and for the first, I mean, it's exciting. It is. You you look at you know what if what if Darnell Savage comes in and plays as well as like Jair did his rookie year. What if Rashawn Gary comes in and can be what they think he is? What if the Smiths come in and can be what they think he is? What if Mike Daniels returns to form? What if Kenny Clark continues to be as good as he is? What if Dean Lowry takes another? I mean, they just got guys ever. Kevin King. What if he stays healthy? Tony Brown's got unlimited. I mean, he's got huge upside too. I mean, so there's just tons of Tons of what ifs for sure, and so like that's what that's what I've I've become so impressed with Gutekunst is is there used to be you know the the Brad Jones or the MD Jennings uh, even last year the right guard spot uh, but but there have been spots over and over again where you just look at the roster and you're like all right that guy's kind of a bum and they're gonna have to sort of figure it out or sub him out. I see that like maybe in one spot where there's, you know, and that's Oren Burks. And there's completely, I think, a chance for that to go the complete other way. But right now, the only place where you're like, God, I just, I don't see it. I don't see the clear path there is the linebacker that isn't Blake Martinez. And, and, and that is so, from a wins and losses perspective, completely unimportant. The, your second inside linebacker is just not going to make or break a team. But all across the offensive line, it's like, no, well, if he doesn't work out, then Elton Jenkins will work out. And if, if, if that guy kind of doesn't work out, well, you just move Billy over there, whatever. Running back, same thing. Wide receiver, I know people are worried. I'm not. I'm really, really not. Uh, I think that people are really going to understand when the season gets going just how talented that trio is. And specifically, the guys who already pitched in last year are, and you know, tight end. I guess you know you could be a little worried. Uh, that's another position where that is super not going to make you make or break you from a 
wins and losses perspective, but you know, they drafted the number one receiving tight end per pro football focus. And the other guy, uh, you know, what one's an all pro former all pro and Mercedes Lewis is a little long in the tooth. And the other one's a legitimate hall of famer in, in Jimmy Graham. And I'm not saying that either of those guys are, are still at that level, but the one, something, one of those three is going to be just fine. And so I'm just excited, man. Just the same way that you are in that for the first time in a long time, I can look at the Packers lineup and even the two deep and not look at one spot and just go, ah, shit. Yeah. It, it, unless, of course, Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. <laughs> but you take out anybody's MVP quarterback in their two years. Even then, though, honestly, and I'm going to sound like a super homer when I say this, but I think that it was – kind of proven out that McCarthy's system was super vulnerable to the backup quarterback in the sense that it completely relied on Rodgers. And I feel like that's been proven out more often than not. Am I saying that Kaiser and Boyle are good? No, probably not. But I will tell you that I think McCarthy's system was about as – dangerous to a backup quarterback is any you will find in professional football. Yeah. And hopefully we don't have to find out, you know, but history, of course, history would probably tell us that at some point this year, we probably will, you know, and so um, hopefully not, but I just think think McCarthy could have had a, a, a Foles, a Foles just sitting there and it would have gone similar to the way that it went anyway. Yeah, especially especially in those later years, and because we could do a whole other podcast podcast on that. But then, like Matt Flynn is your outlier, you know, who freaking Matt Flynn, you know, of all people. Um, but to to kind of touch on that offense, and this will be the last, and I, I I saved this one for last because you already said the trio of guys, and those guys, you know, your EQ, uh, your Marquez Valdez Scantling, and then Jamon Moore is is seems like the forgotten man. And I still like Jamon Moore a lot. I, I liked his tape at Mizzou quite a bit. He was my highest rated guy of those. Actually, EQ was. But he was right there with Equinamia St. Brown coming out of college. Um, and I just think, you know, if if one of those guys can take a jump in year two. And re- honestly, I expect two of them to. I, 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 I completely expect MVS and EQ to make a jump in year two. And those guys are both rare, special talents. And then you throw that together with, uh, you know, Devontae Adams, who's a bona fide top five receiver in the NFL. And Geronimo Allison, who is also, I think, slept on quite a bit by Packers fans. You know, the dude was leading the Packers in receiving last year before he got hurt. He's no, you know, he's not a chump. He's a good player. And so you start talking about just the tantalizing potential of that wide receiver group. Again, like everything else we've talked about, Ross, it could blow up in their face. It totally could. But I just don't see that happening. Of all the young guys making a year one to year two jump, the wide receiver group to me is by far and away the most enticing, the most intriguing. I just that 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 receiver's room is just oozing with potential. I'm just really excited to kind of follow that in this offseason and preseason and next year. Ross, did you have do you have one more guy that you want to talk about or do you want to close this thing out? 
Well, I, I just mentioned future Hall of Famer Darius Shepard. Oh, right, right. Of course, how could I forget the the Darius Shepard who might not? I mean, uh, I know our 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 guy Andy Herman talked a lot about Theo Redding too, being a guy that stood out in the in the off season stuff. Yeah, I wonder if it'd be unprofessional to boo. <laughs> to boo, yeah, yeah. just root against everyone in the slot. Oh, yeah. I'm with you though. Like that's uh I'm scan I'm scanning the Twitterverse for just Darius Shepard news. I didn't really hear much about him yet, but uh he's just he's waiting. He's waiting to strike. But uh but other than that, um I don't have anything else, Ross. I think we did a pretty solid episode here talking about guys. It's really kind of turned into more of like the our what if episode, which is fun. It's it's definitely speculation season right now. And Every fan is kind of hoping their young guys pan out, and Packers fans are no different, and I'm no different, and it's still fun to talk about. Well, history would tell us that probably 75% of these guys won't pan out the way we want them to, um, but we're going to ignore stats. And I'll just, for losers. I'll just say, you know, that it is nice, and I'm, I'm one of Ted Thompson's staunchest defenders. I really am. And, uh, you know, I'll stand for Teddy forever and ever, but. It is nice that, you know, in, in, in a Thompson year before, we, the Packers fan, would have been completely dependent on these second to third year jumps, these first to second year jumps. We would have been completely dependent on the rookies uh, panning out. The free agent additions and some of the other, you know, little roster things that maybe didn't get – as much love, but your Danny Vitales and your uh, Natrell Jamersons and, and and even your Alan Lazards, those kind of acquisitions, in and of course in in concert with the four big free agent signings, that kind of makes these young players turning out way more into gravy when they used to be the stake. Like if it didn't work out, we were just screwed. Yeah. Then what what UDFA can we trot out there? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm with you. Um, you know, draft or what, what's the old saying? Uh, free agency for need draft for talent. And it seems like that's what Goody has. Uh, that seems kind of like his MO. Um, but we are out of topics and we are out of time. Um, so thank you for joining us. Thanks for joining me, Ross. And we will catch you guys next time. Go pack. Go. Shotgun formation of third and 15 to the 46-yard line of Dallas. They empty the shotgun. Cobb in motion to the left side. Rodgers looks it over, gets the snap. Backpedals now under some pressure. Steps up, throws it over the middle. Good Adams! 30! Turns up field, 25! Cutting right to the 20! 15! 10! 5! Devontae Adams to the south end zone for the touchdown! Rodgers looks it over. Starts to his left. Now he moves. Starts to the right side. Snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield, being flushed. Rolling left, winds up, rainbows it high and deep into the end zone. It's high, what did it caught? It is caught for a touchdown. One kick away from the NFC Championship game.
And what a happy bunch of Green Bay Packers. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.